Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. This month, Pastor Fred Oyola takes us through the Book of Romans in the heart of the matter. This month, we're going through the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter. Last week, we began the New Sermon series by looking at the problem in the human race. Today, this week, we are looking at the provision from God. We finished last week on the end of chapter 3. Now we begin just at verse 24 and we finish at chapter 6 and verse 4. In chapters 1 to 3, we saw the problem of the human race. Today, we look at what God now gives as a remedy to this problem. Paul has announced that all of us who have sinned as have fallen short of the glory of God. Now, are we all justified through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ? We are simply looking to what God now gives to the human race as a substitute for the problem that we have. He concludes chapter 3 by indulging more on the issue of boasting about anything apart from the saving and redemptive power of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. He then goes into chapter 4 of the book of Romans looking into the justification of Abraham, the father of our faith, and King David, the man who was after the heart of God. Allow me to read Romans 4, verse 1 to 8 for us. If you can, open, but it's fine if you can't. Allow me to read Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. Romans chapter 4, we'll read from verses 1 to verse 8. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse for now to the one who works. Wages are not credited as a gift but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says, verse 6, the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed, he says, are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 8, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Paul is doing this to further look into the issue of salvation by works. He makes a very strong case, referring back to Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, where the Bible tells us that he, Abraham, was called righteous before because of the faith he had. Abraham was a heathen who knew not God. Imagine, he was called from a nation that was ungodly, yet when God called him and gave him the promise, he chose to believe. God never called him righteous because he performed any good works. It was despite of the bad works, the offerings that they gave to the many gods that they have. All of this, and despite all of this, God goes ahead to call this man righteous. Think about that. God comes into your space. You don't even know who he is. You are living your own life. You are doing your own things. You do not even believe in such an existence. You believe in the existence of many gods. But then he comes into that space and then calls you out 
tells you what he wants to do with your life, and then you believe. Then he calls you righteous. No wonder the Bible tells us that it was imputed upon him. To impute is to attribute, ascribe, assign, credit, or even a credit. It's almost as if God credits your bank with righteousness before you deserve any righteousness. It's like God takes 5 million Kenya shillings, hallelujah, puts it into your account, and then tells you to go look. You find it and you all say, Amen. <laughs> Righteousness is more than the absence of evil and guilt. It is a positive good. Meaning that God does not only declare as innocent, but righteous. Let me say that again. Righteousness is not more than the absence of evil and guilt. It is a positive good. Meaning that God does not only declare as innocent, but righteous. Chapter 4 goes on to talk about King David, who in verses 6 to 8 we are told says that blessed is the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. This is picked from Psalms 32 verse 1 and 2. King David, just like Abraham, we see understanding the concept that salvation comes only through grace and faith, not through works and faith. Just because you are working at it and believing it, does not mean that you're saved. We are saved because of the grace of God. The grace that we so not deserve and faith that is believing that he has saved us. Paul is still insisting upon the issue of grace versus works. I love this definition. Hear this. Grace has to do with receiving the freely given gift of God. Works, on the other hand, has to do with earning our merit before God. A system of work seeks to put God in debt to us, making God owe us his favor because of our good behavior. In works thinking, God owes us salvation or blessing because of our good works. It's almost as if we wake up and go into the school, or sorry, into the workplace of grace. Is like you wake up in the morning and from 9 to 5 you're working hard so that God may grace you in the evening. That is not how salvation works. Salvation is freely given. It is almost as if, sorry to say this, you slept from morning to evening and yet still got a paycheck at the end of the day that has your name and the amount at the end of the check says grace. Hey. Let's continue. Romans chapter 4, verse 23 to 25 tells us this. The words it was credited to him, meaning Abraham, were written not for him alone. How amazing is that? Verse 24. But also for us, you and I in 2019, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In chapter 5 we finally get to meet we finally get to the meat of today's message. This is what is God's provision to the problem in the human race and which is finished in the beginning of chapter 6. If you can turn to the book of Romans chapter 5 I will read from verse 1 to 11. 
Romans chapter 5 verse 1 to 11. Let me read. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings or tribulations. Because we know that suffering or tribulations produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Verse 5, and hope does not, will never put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, when we were still sinners, still in the space of darkness in our lives, in this wretchedness, Christ died for the ungodly, for us. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Verse 8, but God, hallelujah. Somebody say, but God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, verse 11, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, listen to this, reconciliation. Somebody say amen. These provisions from God are thus shown in the following. Just from what we've read. Number one, salvation. Paul has given the case that the only way to salvation is justification, being made righteous. That's what justification means, being made righteous. By grace, through faith. In salvation, we read about the first man, Adam, who is the source of all sin. The problem in the human race. We also read of Jesus, the second Adam, who was now the provision for the sin. The perfect sacrifice and was crucified on a wooden cross, eliminating from those who choose, that's the key, an escape from not only the flesh, the world and the devil, but also the righteous wrath of God and providing access to eternal life with God our Father. Our pulpits are so full with the love of God, the God of love. Hallelujah. He is the God who gives. He gave his only begotten son. He is Jehovah, the God of kindness. He is full of favor. But rarely do we talk about the God of wrath. And I dare tell you, those who are listening to this and those of, among you right here, um, seeing me talk about this, I beg you by the mercies of God to love him, to know him, to walk with him, to be in his presence. Because, I kid you not, you do not want to see the wrath of God. Find him and find him early. Time is running out. The Bible tells us, in a twinkling of an eye, he will come up on these clouds of ours. We will see him. Everybody in this world will see him. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will then confess 
that this Jesus that we so confess is the Son of God, the King of the universe. Find him and find him now before time runs out. Provisions, number one, salvation. Number two, grace. This is God's undeserved favor towards us. And it's not only the way salvation comes to us, it is also a description of our present standing before God. It is not only the beginning principle of the Christian life, it is also, hear this, the continuing principle of the Christian life. Grace is continuing. The Bible says through Paul in the book of Romans, we've just read that it is a standing grace. It stands through your life. Grace is continuous. We stand translates a perfect tense used in the sense of the present and with the thought of a continuing attitude. Most of us Christians begin in grace, but then think we must go on to perfection and maturity by dealing with God on the principle of law, on the ideas of earning and deserving. No, stop that. We are saved because we understand we can do nothing to save ourselves. We cry out to God in our wretchedness and say, Jehovah, save me. And then he saves you and then you assume that now you need to work your salvation by your own strength. Pray in the morning, read the scriptures, do everything perfect so that you're this perfect creature before God. There's nothing wrong with the elements of the spiritual disciplines that help us to get into the spaces where God can work on us. There's nothing wrong with that. But to assume that those very things are the things that God uses to tick whether you're pleasing to him or not, is false. We need to understand with every fiber inside of us that the grace of God goes beyond your wretchedness even after salvation. Most of us begin in grace, but we think we must go on to perfection and maturity by dealing with God on the principle of law, on the ideas of earning and deserving. Stop it, child of God. Standing grace means that, number one, I don't have to prove I am worthy of God's love. You don't make yourself clean. He does make you clean. Standing grace means God is my friend. He's not your enemy. We are now sons of God. We now have the definition, or we can now call him Abba Father. We have the definition sons of God. Standing grace means the door of access is permanently open to him. Don't you remember the book of Hebrews when you're told, now we can approach the throne of God boldly. We can access it boldly, not like before, where it was only the priest who would come to his presence once every year. Standing grace means that I am free from the law and the scorchet of the law. The account has been settled in Jesus. Hallelujah. It also means I spend more time praising God and less time hating myself. More time praising God, less time hating myself. Most of us, even right here in this room, mainly listening to us even on our platforms, at a place where you have not reconciled the fact that you are a wretched being. You are full of sin. 
that there is something wrong with you. And especially in the area of sin, there is something you struggle with. And the place you don't reconcile is assuming that that is what defines you. No, it doesn't. The Bible tells us we are now sons, children of God. Even with the flesh that you're still struggling with, you're the child of God. But then he slowly begins a work in you that slowly makes you into the person he created you to be. Walk with him, I beg you. And you will hate yourself less and less and less. There is a catch though. Romans 6 verse 1 to 4 tells us this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that the grace may increase? By no means, verse 2. We are those who have died to sin. Aye, aye. How can we live in it any longer? Verse 3. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ has raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, was raised from the dead through, sorry, was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Grace, hear this, hear this and hear this well. Grace reigns in righteousness. The Bible tells us that Ada, Abraham believed what the Lord had told him and so the Lord imputed upon him righteousness. The Lord called him righteous. He called him righteous while he was still uncircumcised, not after circumcision. He called him righteous even while he still lived in the area of idolatry. God calls you righteous and so we must come to the full realization that grace reigns in righteousness. This is how chapter 5 ends. So if it does reign in righteousness, then it cannot thrive in sin. It is not a license to sin. Our job isn't to sin vis-a-vis -vis God's job to grace. At we sin, he graces. Yes, that's the principle. But we cannot thrive in sin assuming obviously that he will forgive. I cannot be waking up in the morning saying, Leo ni kuaribu. I am going to perform the greatest act of sin, this one has seen, because there is grace. Hey, guys. Grace covers our sin. It thrives in righteousness. Our job is to walk with the Lord. Am I saying you'll never fall because you're trying to assume perfection? No. You will fall because the battle between the spirit and the flesh is so strong. It is so clear. It is still so evident. But we are to walk in the Lord. As we walk with him, we will struggle with sin less and less and less. Our job isn't to sin. And then God's job at is to grace. His grace covers us anyway when we sin. But don't go there intentionally every time knowing that, hmm, you know what? I am going to sin knowing very well I'm covered. I am his child anyway, so tough. I beg you, do not 
make the Lord sad. Praise the Lord. We've talked about salvation. We've talked about grace. Now, faith. Our access into the standing of grace is by faith and through Jesus. We cannot therefore work ourselves into this standing. You heard that? We cannot work ourselves into this standing. Hebrews chapter 11 has been called the hallmark of faith. It has defined faith as the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Guys, brothers and sisters, listeners. Belief in God must be a quality that we have as those who have been saved by him. Do you believe in God? Most of us actually believe that we are going to go home this evening or this afternoon. We believe that we'll find food in the fridge. We believe we're going to buy chips on the way, pizza. We, may, we believe we're going to get some ice cream maybe as we wait. We believe that the car will start when we leave here. We believe we'll get the bus. We believe, we believe, we believe. But do we believe that God has our back? Do we believe that his, his work in us is good? It is profitable. Do we believe that everything that happens is for our good? If we so believe that we've been called by him. Do we believe that you're going to heaven? Do we believe that he will be there for us? That he knows us by name? Ask yourself that every so often because your belief will dictate your actions. Most of the things you're doing right now are as a direct result of what you believe. Some of us are lazy because we assume God will provide everything because he's the creator of the universe. Some of us are overworking ourselves to the ends of the world because we know he's given us the ability to make wealth. So what do you believe? The lazy person is overdoing it. The overworking person is overdoing it. What do you believe? You must have faith. And it is only God who will increase your faith. Faith is his to give. Hey. Next one. Peace. Provision. Peace. This is in peace of God. That surpasses human understanding. But peace with God. Through what Jesus did on the cross. Through the salvation that he purchased for us. Jesus now becomes our peace. Hey. We are now then not to have peace with the world, peace with the flesh, or peace with sin. This God hates. Where is your peace? Is your peace with the world? Are you okay with the world? Are you at peace with your flesh? With the struggles that you have? With the sin in your life? With the sins in your life? This God hates with the passion. And like we said earlier, if you dwell in that and not receive Jesus, you will receive the wrath of God at the end of time. You will experience it and experience it for eternity. But if you believe in Jesus, oh, he blesses us with this peace. We are at peace with God. Now we are no longer enemies. 
but we are of the same family. We are now his children, adopted into the sonship, where we all call him Abba Father. Hallelujah. Hope. We talked about peace. We talked about salvation. We talked about faith. Now, hope. The book of Titus chapter 2 verse 13 tells us of the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the hope we are talking about that after all is said and done, after everything is finished, all will be well, will be okay. We'll have a beautiful ending to this life. We will cry no more. We will experience pain never again. We will never worry. We will never hunger. The catch, though, has been explained in the verses you've just read. For the end, in the blessed hope, there must be sufferings or tribulation. This is a golden chain of Christian growth and maturity. One virtue builds upon another as we grow in the pattern of Jesus. Paul is referring to minor inconveniences, is not referring to minor inconveniences, sorry, but to real hardships. Paul, as you know, lived a life full of suffering and tribulation. When we need character and hope, it must be built and developed in the furnace of suffering, tribulations, and perseverance. Let me read those verses again for us. Remember the verses we just read? We said, we glory in our sufferings or tribulations because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. And this hope will never put us to shame. Mm. So are you suffering? Are you, are, you, are, you, are you going through tribulation right now? As a child of God. There's a difference when you're suffering outside of Christ. When you're suffering in Christ, there is a hope at the end because as his children, he must develop us in the furnace that we called last month, his hand. He is the potter, I am the clay. He must remove aspects of you that are not pleasing to him. Things that are making you get into places that are not pleasing to the Lord. He must burn off those bad places in you, in the altar called his hands, his fingers. That is what we did last month. If you want to find those messages from last month, last month, follow us on, on our social media. Everything is on there. Are you, it, are you in tribulation right now? Are you at a place where you're wondering why? Why has he allowed so much suffering? Maybe there's a character he's building. This is what the Bible is saying. I'm talking about this specific Bible verse that we've just read in the book of Romans. That the tribulation in your life produces character. Your character is built through the pains of tribulation that you're facing. Don't shy away from that. Don't, don't shy away. Usikimbia from the pain in your life. I kid you not. If you face it as the child of God that you are, the end of it will be amazing. Guys, as we leave, please remember the provisions from God for the problem of sin in the human race are shown in salvation through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ 
grace that reigns in righteousness, faith in the God who has done all this, peace with God provided by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and finally, the hope we now have of eternal life with our Father. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. at Rubani House on Shriji Road off Airport North Road.